Welcome to the Finance and Tech Podcast. I'm your host and Chief Finance Techie, Simon Ritchie. And this is a show where we dive into all things technology for finance teams. I interview other finance techies, finance leaders, and industry legends who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build and grow your career in finance. In this podcast, I speak to Bhavik Vashi. We go way back. We actually used to work together, and I thought he'd be a great guest to bring on. Bhavik is currently the managing director for Carter in APAC, in Asia Pacific. And the focus for this week is to hear from a next-gen sales leader about what makes a difference with working with your finance team and how they can support on the mission. Carter is an impressive B2B software company. They're commonly known as a cap table or equity management is another way to describe it, company. And um, Bavik discusses his journey from his start actually at KPMG in accounting. And now he's moved right the way over in and is the sales leader and general manager responsible for everyone over in APAC for Carter, which is a really impressive journey. Um, he shares his insights on what's made him successful so far. Uh, I, I, I really dived into what a, a week in the life looks like, such as things like his leadership cadence, some of the major meetings, the key metrics that he's watching to stay on top of the business. And Bavik also emphasized the importance of having a really strong finance business partner who understands the context of the business. And that really empowers him to uh, make the right decisions, make really well-informed decisions. We dive into essential tech for his role, but also you know, for making sure his teams are running really successfully, enough leads are coming through, et cetera. Um, and we, Bavik's really big on this idea he talks about called the abstraction layer. And some people might call it the spreadsheet. It's the place where you bring data from all sorts of places together and you combine it and it, it gives you that, that, that information that you use to connect both the operational data and financial data and really make decisions. And so we, we dived into that topic. Um, Bavik, this is a really great episode. Bavik is, I consider, a rising star in the space. Um, Carter is an impressive company and this episode does not disappoint. Enjoy. All right, Bavik, thanks so much for coming on the show today. How are you doing? Hey, Simon, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let's jump in. Um, maybe you could just give the listeners a quick intro and background on your journey so far. Yeah, sure. Um, so I uh, currently am serving as a managing director uh, for Carta uh, across Asia Pacific as well as the Middle East. Um, and I've been doing this for uh, about a year now. Actually, I think today's my, no, yesterday was my one year anniversary. So yeah, nice. for one year now. Prior to this, as you know, I've spent um, almost a decade, uh, I think it was like nine years plus at Anaplan, um, uh, which uh, across a, a variety of different um, functions, predominantly, I would say, consulting, uh, professional services, then kind of customer success, and then really spent the last three plus years doing sales uh, and go-to-market uh, leadership. 
Um, and then prior to that, uh, I started my career uh, at KPMG doing accounting. So that's that's uh, that's kind of where I got where I got my start. Uh, and my my undergraduate degree uh, is in business from Berkeley. Uh, okay. So yeah, that's kind of my that's my path. Yeah, awesome, nice. So you, and you're in Singapore to you're in Singapore right now. Yes. Carter. Do, do you want to just explain what Carter does and what you know what your focus is? Yeah, sure. Um, so Carta is a, a software company, a B two B software company. Um, and what we're what we're really kind of aspiring to do is is build a platform uh, to enable various different components of the private markets. So, um, you know, what I think we're most popularly known as is a is a cap table or an equity management company. Uh, mm-hmm. That was really our first product uh, where we we wanted to effectively you know, digitize paper stock certificates uh, and, and bring that into the cloud. But, but what it really did is allow us to actually become the system of record for equity ownership and really understand who owns what uh, in the private markets, which is, uh, as you know, a lot more opaque and illiquid uh, compared to, to public markets. Um, so that's really where we started. And then we started to kind of expand our product portfolio to solve different problems for for different stakeholders uh, in the private market, so uh, venture capitalists, um, uh, limited partners, uh, LPs who invest into those venture capital firms, who then invest into founders and amazing startups, who then invest into amazing employees. And so now today, we have a set of software products across cap table and equity management for for startups, um, venture uh, and and kind of private fund administration. So really running kind of the back office. Um, for investment funds, so accounting, compliance, uh, report, uh, reporting, things of that nature. And then we've also got a, um, a secondary marketplace um, that we run called Carta X, which is, you know, effectively allows you to buy and sell um, private uh, stock and other private assets the way, you know, we all are able to, to, to do with public assets, um, which is really kind of the big vision of the company is, is hopefully one day private markets will be uh, just as easy and transparent as public markets are. Awesome, nice. Um, so, look, a fun question to begin with: what um, what makes you feel inspired or motivated? Good question. Um, I think at the probably at the most kind of macro level, what makes me feel inspired or motivated is just knowing that I am having an impact on. The world, but that's kind of broad. So I, I usually say the impact on the people around me, um, whether and then you know you can define the community, whether it's my you know, my physical community in my neighborhood or if it's the community that I'm creating, uh, you know, in the workplace. Um, maybe it's the community within the team of the company I work for. So yeah, it's really just having an impact, making a difference, and kind of uh, moving things. I think one step forward. Um, in terms of, uh, I guess, productivity and, and happiness uh, in general, um, that's that's probably like the really abstract answer yeah. of that. Uh, yeah. It probably kind of translates to a lot of like day-to-day things that make me very yeah. happy as well. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. um, and what's something that people are generally surprised to find out about you? Hmm. Um. Is this like professional or personal? Because I can go either way on this. Either, either, you know. Okay, I'll share a personal one. Um, I think people are really surprised to find out that um, I am like a passionate uh, Bollywood uh, film and and music fan. 
Uh, I think people assume, yeah, as somebody who was born and raised in the U.S., uh, I just think that surprises people when they meet me. They just they don't expect it. But I I actually don't listen to a ton of of English music. Um, I I listen to quite a lot of of Hindi um, uh, language music, uh, mostly from Bollywood, which is our film industry. Um, And uh, and same with movies like people will list off movies they've seen recently. And I've, I've usually not seen any of them. (laughs) <laughs> but then if I'm, I'm in a, in, you know, in an Indian community, usually yeah. and they say, oh, did you see the most recent, you know, Bollywood film that came out? Yeah, I'm all over it. So, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's pretty surprising to most people. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Like, see, I didn't even know that. And we've known each other for years. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. So, um, so our topic for today is really about sales. So I'm really interested in the transition that you made from accounting, starting at KPMG, and yeah. then you moved over into customer success and then into sales. And um, and I'd love to talk about how finance people can support customer success or salespeople better. Um, sure. So I suppose my first question is, how did you make that transition from finance accounting into sales? Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, how did that come about? Um, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't overnight, right? Yeah. Like you said, it kind of, it was like a gradual series of steps, I think. Um, some unintentional, some, yeah. you know, quite a bit more intentional. I think that it's really two, I, I consider two big steps if we, if we were talking about. One was leaving the world of big four accounting, which is a completely cool. different ball game, and, and yeah. deciding to join a, uh, a you know, a small tech company, uh, Anaplan, yeah. uh, right? Yeah. Like that, yeah. I think, was the big change uh, uh, yeah. that I made. And that one was completely, um, you know, unintentional in the sense, like it's not like I had a, a mission to get into tech or anything like that. It was actually more, I had a mission to get out <laughs> of public accounting. Um, yeah. And I had realized that, you know, it wasn't for me. I know there's probably accountants that will listen to this and that's it, not saying accounting is bad, but it's just, for me, I realized very quickly it wasn't something that I I, I enjoyed. I didn't get um, as motivated about it um, as I as I felt like I should. And so yeah. I just really wanted to make a change. And specifically, there was a busy season coming up that I wanted to avoid. And so I was very there's a high level of urgency for me to to make a move because um, I did not want to. Do that. Yeah, totally. Um, so that was the first big one, and the the, okay. the the most logical entry point for me to get into tech. Happened to be this tech company that was doing something in the financial planning and analysis space, mm. and you know what made me, I guess, relevant was that I understood a cash flow statement and a balance sheet yeah. and income statement. Yeah. So I had my kind of core uh, accounting skills that were relevant, and kind of just adapting those to more of a, a forward-looking forecasting and planning context. And then, uh, you know, my first role was to build software that enabled you know uh, people to to plan better. Um, and I thought that was super interesting relative to accounting, which is all kind of rear view mirror. This was all kind of looking forward and and kind of thinking about what that would look like. So that was the first big change. Um, and then, uh, then it just kind of went from there. Uh, and then, as you said, I guess the second big one was moving from the consulting and, and more broadly, let's say customer success side to the sales side, um, and just broader kind of go to market side. That one was much more intentional. I think the more I did consulting the more i did customer success i started to understand the different revenue streams uh, for us as a business and i realized that 
you know, understanding the product, understanding your customers intimately would lend to hopefully making me a much more effective salesperson and sales leader um, mm. in a more consultative way, perhaps. Uh, and I'd always gotten, you know, uh, a kick out of, you know, the pursuit um, and the challenge of, of kind of bringing someone from point A to B in, in something that I believed in. And so uh, that was kind of an intentional uh, move. And I was able to kind of navigate the way uh, internally to, to get into that opportunity. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's a big, it's a big step up. Um, so you're, you're now managing director, which is, which I, I think of as, you know, you're, you're driving sales, but it's also, it's, it's a, all, all aspects of go to market in the region. Yeah. Do you want to just talk us through, you know, a week in the life of a managing director? What are you responsible for? What are you thinking about? What yeah. does the team look like? Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's very cliche, but I, I honestly think, you know, week looks the same. Uh, especially at Carta, you know, I think um, there are other companies where the managing director uh, really only um, owns, you know, sales, so to speak. Yeah. I think even at Anaplan, it was like this. If you were MD of a region, your only direct reports were salespeople. And okay. you had a lot of, you know, influence dotted line into to functions like customer success and pre-sales and marketing and other things. And you kind of you absolutely were seen as the overall leader that needed to bring everything together. But you had a very direct responsibility and accountability for sales. Um, yeah. At Carta, the managing director role is is, is different. I, you have a direct reporting uh, org, which is across all departments in your region, from okay. sales to delivery to marketing to partnerships to uh, operations and 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 you know even employee experience. So it is truly. You know, um, I think the best analogy I could use is it's a, it's a kind of a, a mini CEO or COO type role where you've got a, a, a piece of the business um, yeah. that, that you kind of that you need to take care of. And, and so as a result, a week yeah. in the life is, um, uh, you know, can be very different. I'll give you an, mm -hmm. this week, for example, we are in the process of moving to a new office. And so I'm, I'm speaking to contractors about, you know, kind of. <laughs> how that is going, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and kind of keeping a oversight on that. We're in the process of switching, you know, uh, to a benefits plan uh, for the employees. And so kind of working through what that's going to look like. And of course, there's like the more traditional activities of the sales forecast and, and driving um, sales execution, um, the marketing plan, and, and how are we executing marketing activities to generate demand? You know, how is our outbound prospecting um, uh, efforts going, uh, how is delivery handling the intake of all the you know logos we win? Um, what are we kind of doing to influence or drive the product roadmap to support our region? So yeah, really just a little bit of everything, which is obviously what I, I personally love about the job. Yeah. Um, really keeps me on my toes. And, and, and back to my original answer, it really makes me feel like I'm able to have an impact in, in many different ways. Uh, you know, so that's fun. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so yeah, really broad influence. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty big responsibility, which is, which is fantastic. Um, what, what would you say, um, are some of the key ceremonies that help you to, um, yeah, to keep on top of what's going on and that, and, and that are crucial to success? Yeah. Um, uh, it's an interesting one, ceremonies. So um, uh, I'd love like to kind of clarify. 
within a yeah. weekly or month within a weekly or monthly cadence maybe that's a term i picked up somewhere that within a weekly or monthly cadence what are the key meetings yeah that um yeah meetings is probably a, a good word for you know, swap swap ceremonies for meetings what are the key meetings that help you keep on top of things like the sales forecast the marketing plan delivery status etc you know how, yeah how, how do you run the business yeah yeah it's a it's a constantly um i think it's something that's i try to evolve um depending on the stage of growth that we're at um because I'm, yeah. I'm the last person who wants to be stuck in like recurring meetings you know and have half yeah. the calendar blocked every week where it's yeah. like hey I, well, I come into it with only 20 available hours because there's all these blocks <laughs> right so i really try to avoid it um uh -huh. there are two sacred you know really sacred meetings for me that up until now in my career have always been a good use of time mm -hmm. uh, basically there's a i call it you know the leadership meeting which yeah. is um you know but kind of what it sounds like it is the leaders of all the functions coming together uh, in our case physically around a table uh, and just um, we kind of crowdsource the agenda every week so uh, you know the you know pre-meeting on slack it's like hey what do we want to talk about i'll have my own bullets that i'll put into the list but other people can have things they want to talk about like that they need yeah. to share or things that they would like to talk about like they're they're requesting information as well like hey i want an update on this that or the other um so that leadership meeting meeting which is much more conversational um you know usually you know minimal powerpoints unless someone needs it to kind of yeah. explain or update on their project it's their choice but it's very conversational it's discussion oriented a lot of you know uh, active conversation and it's usually very strategic um in terms of kind of where are we going where are we moving and we'll manage across these three horizons of the long term so like for three years the kind of uh, what i call strategic the the operational which is kind of the, the year that we're operating in within the fiscal year and and then the execution, which could be just the month or the quarter that we're operating in. Um, so that's one, which is really important to me. And the second is is um, either called what I call the forecast meeting or what I've recently rebranded as kind of the metrics meeting, because there are certain metrics that aren't necessarily forecasting, but yeah, they are right. key numerical, quantitative business metrics that I think we should look at on a weekly basis. Um, and that one is you know pretty much the opposite of what I described. It is fully numbers oriented there's a there's not powerpoint but we're usually living in some kind of system whether it's a salesforce or an anaplan or a blocks or a google sheet or whatever like you know there's there's somewhere where we're bringing a lot of data together and we're, we're looking at numbers yeah. and then we're asking questions about those numbers we're discussing those numbers um and we're you know we're trying to understand uh, what that tells us about our business yeah awesome so that happens weekly yeah and who's and who's in that meeting the metrics meeting yeah, so uh, definitely evolves over time. So when I started at Carta, it was every single rep. It, it was everybody. Like it was a, it was basically an all hands meeting, but but yeah. focused on metrics rather than focused on here's you know so let's celebrate the top performer from last week yeah. or let's you know give a strategic update. It was like numbers. Um, yeah. As we've grown and and we have now over forty people, uh, it's really more the the people who own those individual metrics. So yeah. obviously marketing owns the kind of the inbound. Um, kind of number for us partnerships owns a, a partner originated uh, number for us uh, SDRs own um, you know pipe gen and meetings booked number salespeople own the quotas uh, CS owns you know NDR net dollar retention 
So basically yeah. anybody who owns a number uh, will be in the, will be in the meeting. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Okay. Okay. Um, fantastic. So that, so then I was thinking we could jump into what are some of those key metrics or maybe actually before that, maybe we could just mm -hmm. talk about like what keeps you up at night. So if you're thinking about in a, in a work con in a work context, um, what, well, yeah, what keeps you up at night? Uh, at night, what you know, worrying, uh, you know, am I going to be successful with the man, with the, the mandate, the responsibilities that you've been given? Yeah, I think uh, I think the outcome that keeps me up at night is growth, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and I've always chosen to work in in pretty growth oriented, almost you know, yeah. borderline hyper growth environments. It's what I'm attracted to. So yeah. there's always a a relatively ambitious or aggressive growth target, um, yeah. you know, sometimes triple digit growth, which is being targeted. And so that that as an outcome keeps me up because there's so many ways to get there. Like if the goal is to grow 100% year over year, there are just like an infinite ways that you yeah. might achieve that. Um, so that's the outcome. But then, uh, and that's always there. I, I literally can never get rid of it. Um, yeah. I think there are different inputs to that yeah. outcome depending on the month or the week are keeping me up. Sometimes it's um, you know, off, you know, maybe it's demand generation related, like, yeah, great. We did our numbers this month, but are we generating enough demand to sustainably do that number over the next three months, especially when our sales capacity will increase and therefore our overall expectations in terms of quotas and outputs will increase Are you know, sometimes it's around people, um, especially, you know, if it's like, Hey, are a, are we hiring and recruiting, uh, efficiently and effectively enough and in a way that doesn't, you know, obviously uh, disrupt some of the momentum and the culture uh, that we've that we've been building and that's got us here. Or, yeah. you know, sometimes it's even our, our, even if we're not hiring, recruiting, but are the people who are in the in the four walls of the company, are they feeling motivated, challenged, inspired, um, engaged uh, to mm -hmm. continue to kind of give it their best every day? Um, and, and, and if not, you know, what 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 do we need to do about that, right? Um, so these are some of some examples of some of the inputs I would say that, yeah. that keep me up. Um, yeah. yeah, but they all kind of tie back to kind of how are we going to achieve that growth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And then now we can get into some of the key metrics that you look at. And you might you might you've you've already talked a, a bit about them. But what are the really in the in you know in your dashboard and your weekly metrics meeting? What are the key metrics that you're diving into that that are really yeah. important to you? Yeah. The number one metric, uh, as you would imagine, is sales. Um, yeah. You know, it just kind of. You, you, I always tell people, you know, the metrics meeting is nothing more than working our way down the P and L. If you think about it that way, yeah. so it's like. In the PL, you're going to have the top line revenue, yeah. right? And sales is kind of a, a precursor to revenue, right? You just yeah. apply a revenue recognition waterfalls to your sales and you'll have a sense of revenue. So mm -hmm. it's really around sales. How are we doing against our sales target? Um, and and we, we'll drill down on that all the way to, you know, specific regions, specific products, specific segments, down to specific reps, and mm -hmm. also see how that rolls up and like being able to go up and down in terms of zoom out, zoom in, zoom out, zoom in. Yeah. is really critical. Um, yeah. You can't just get the top line number and say, okay, we're 400 on a 500 target. It almost tells you nothing. 
yeah. um, you really have to understand the pockets of, hey, this piece is doing really well, this piece is struggling, this person is struggling, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, so sales is where we start. And then if, like, I literally walk my way through. So if you think about what's what's after revenue, it's cost of revenue, right? So uh, uh, the things that impact your gross margin. Um, and, and for us, like on our fund administration business, for example, it's a pretty heavy, ser- there's a, a services component to it. Yeah. So I have to think about, you know, the, the, the delivery team that is helping to deliver um, a specific service and what are the, what are the kind of the pieces around that obviously product can help improve your margin profile. So with, with thinking about those things, um, yeah. but really on the services business, you have to think about the gross margin and then kind of some of the uh, things that get you to your bottom line as well in terms of the spend factor. So your marketing spend is a big one, obviously commissions and salaries are going to be a big one. Yeah. Um, you know, T&E uh, as an example, like there's, you know, you're going to work through all those lines. And so yeah. I'm, in general, we're looking at the, the expense side as well. Um, but there's a lot of, a lot of time spent on sales and yeah. we deconstruct sales as well. So we think about, well, here's the sales I have, but you know, here's the pipeline we're generating, which will turn into future sales. So we go backwards that way. We also look at the others of all the stuff we've already sold. How are those folks doing in terms of retention, right? And net dollar retention and, or do are we creating a flywheel? So we spend a lot of time on sales, and then we then we kind of slightly more quickly work our way through the rest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So maybe we can jump into sales forecasting, um, target setting, etc. Um, yeah. A little bit. So when you're looking at sales, um, yeah. What what are you looking at? So you said you're looking at some of that the business you've already closed. So you know, that's closed and won. Mm-hmm. And then you're also looking at a forecast. Um, but but forecasting is tricky and you're you're probably taking inputs from different places. So how does that how does that run? Um yeah, how do you run that? Yeah. Um we we look at we try to look at multiple different so actuals are actuals, you know, yeah. for better or for worse, it's very simple. You, you you have some system of record, you bring it in, you, you add up uh, add up numbers yeah. by as many different properties as you can to get a, a sense of what you've actually done. And then the forecast, um, we usually look at it multiple ways. Um, and this has kind of been consistent. So one which I love to do and I still believe in is a bottoms up, what I call a bottoms up, which is yeah. really a highly collaborative process i mean it's really basically every rep telling us what they think they're going to do from a sales perspective Um, and sometimes not just telling us not just a rep is giving us a number they're giving it to us by the deal like this deal on this date 80 percent confident at this value right and then you have all these variables even in that one line that could change what if the date moves what if the number moves what if the probability changes like, so that, yeah. you know, we really kind of get it all the way from bottom and then roll that up to the bottoms yeah. up forecast, what I call. Yeah. Um, no, no crazy math there. Just just yeah. a lot of collaboration required to get yeah. to kind of get that done in a around all the reps and get them to input and you know, know exactly you did, all that in an efficient way too. Right. You need to do it efficiently. Uh, it shouldn't be what people are spending a majority of their time with. So it needs to be very um, streamlined. But yes. you need to also be able to jump into that level of detail because sometimes mm-hmm. one or two deals will be the, the difference. And, and so if you're not seeing that detail, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, then, exactly. And then there's also an algorithmic management tool, isn't it? Like you're you're asking your team to 
you know, to get to download their information so that in a way that you can see it and then you can add it up and look at it across the region. Yeah. Um, so it's really powerful, but it also probably um, can distract reps from doing selling. <laughs> yeah, precisely. So it has to, be, has to be done carefully. Are you getting them to input that every week or do you kind of do it every other week or you know what does that look like normally or is it just on the in the run-up to a key debt a key deadline you know yeah end or quarter end yeah i mean it, it obviously i think the the, the the specifics of your go-to-market motion matter a lot yeah. uh, we we have two very distinct businesses we have our cap table business where things uh, can close in like one or two calls, right? You could, you find a founder and a founder's like, Hey, I'm raising money. I need a yeah. tool at yeah. what, you know, one call, one demo credit card here, we've sold yeah. a deal. And so, and then we've got this other business, which is much more maybe enterprise or mid market in nature where, you know, we're selling to a venture capital uh, fund manager. We've yeah. gone through a multi-month sales process of, of kind of understand, you know, explaining our service, explaining the software, you know, yeah. going through a competitive evaluation, so on and so forth. So, these things matter in terms of how you do it. Uh, I think the former can be a little bit more uh, mathematical um, yeah. just because it's a volume type business versus the latter, the bottoms up is really, really important because it's, it's, it's kind of binary when you get down to the deal levels of what's in and out. Um, but in short, we do the forecast every week for all business lines. I think the way we do it, the level of detail we do it to is, is slightly different, but we do it every week. Uh, the reps, we ask them to keep you know, the CRM, customer relationship management, we, we ask them to keep CRM up to date. We use that as a source of truth. Yeah. And what we what we do in our, our, what I call the abstraction layer, where we pull CRM data into, again, an Excel, a blocks, an Anaplan, or whatever, we, we, we use that really for every level above the reps. Mm -hmm. So the first line sales manager, in case there's a second line, obviously myself, yeah. where we're applying judgment, we're applying um, adjustments, where yeah. we're able to kind of, basically what you're trying to do is come up with a range of probabilities yeah. and kind of have a sense of your high, your low. And then you start to kind of really predict outcomes and obviously what you can do to change where you land in that spectrum of potential outcomes. That's the meaningful discussion, obviously, not just yeah. doing forecasting for the hell of it. Um, yeah. So, so, so yeah. Uh, we do that on a weekly basis and, and you know, okay. hold the, the leadership team accountable for that. Yeah, that's amazing. And I suppose then what um, what are you reporting upwards to um, what are you responsible to report on? Um, and, you know, would that would that be similar? So on a weekly basis, you're reporting your yep. sales forecast, some other key marketing numbers, delivery numbers, et cetera. Yeah, that's right. I think on a, for me, you know, when I, when I think about, cause half, you know, I'd say half the battle is just me having a really good understanding of the business. Yeah. Um, when I'm, when I think about managing ups and for me, it's reporting up to the, basically the CRO or the CEO. Uh, I think the level of detail they need, uh, especially because of our region being a smaller piece of the business perhaps than the Americas is, yeah. um, they need a lot less detail, generally speaking. So we'll give them, you know, the number, the sales forecast every week for, by product line. So yeah. it's a sales forecast by product line every week. Um, so we're giving them that. The rest, uh, they don't need on a weekly basis. The rest they'll take on a you know monthly or maybe sometimes even quarterly basis because these things will be, like we reforecast from a finance perspective quarterly. Yeah. So at the beginning of the quarter, we kind of know how much headcount we have, what's our 
anticipated spend uh, against a certain revenue and, and kind of what are we trying to operate on in terms of um, our overall financial profile. We'll revisit that once a quarter. And that's when we really get into, okay, well, we thought we were going to spend this much on this area. You actually spent more on that, but less on this. How did it net out? How does that change how we think about future quarters and months budgeting? Yeah. Has there been any material changes in the field that we need to incorporate or new growth opportunities that we need to double down and invest on? So those uh, that happens more on a quarterly basis, I'd say. Okay. Okay. So finance planning quarterly, um, you know, leadership, you know, so you're, you're tracking your metrics every week, really digging into the sales forecast, and then you're reporting your sales forecast numbers up to the center where they're kind of looking at overall, yeah. um, overall sales across the business um, as yeah. you go through the, through the quarter. That's, that's awesome. Um, let's, let's maybe jump into, if you were, um, I don't know if you have a finance business partner that works with you in the region, mm. but um, my, I suppose the question is, how would you describe? Well, how would you describe the perfect finance partner for you as a sales leader? Yeah, quite a data savvy sales leader. I would call you a next gen <laughs> that's coming through, very data savvy. Um, yeah. probably quite impatient, willing to dive into tools, et cetera. Um, yeah. How would you describe, yeah, the perfect finance manager or finance business partner for you? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great, great question. I, I always tell anybody I work with, especially in finance, that I, I'm probably such a pain in the you-know-what because <laughs> coming from my background of, of, of having implemented and sold financial planning as a as a product and a concept, I'm, I'm probably uh, annoyingly uh, in the details and, and probably have annoyingly strong points of view on what the right way to represent uh, the business financially um, yeah. is. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a fair call out. Um, for me, a, a perfect business partner, I want to give a shout out to my business. I do have a business partner. Unfortunately, he's not based in Singapore. He's based in uh, London, uh, actually. Okay. Uh, okay. And shout out to Greg Carter. I think he's actually the best finance business partner I've uh, had the pleasure of working with. Um, so, uh, and I think what makes him great uh, and I think what makes any finance business partner great is really uh, being, I think, curious and interested in understanding not just the outcomes, but understanding the mechanics and the context of your business. Right. Um, and I think Greg, uh, does a great job of that. Um, for example, right, Carta, you know, when you think of Carta globally, it's a, it's a Series G company. Last valuation was over seven billion, two thousand employees. It's a it's a big company to some, you know, it's it's a proper uh, scale up. And um, what the way you think about the business um, at that stage of growth um, is very different. You're, you know, especially today, people people are thinking a lot about profitability, right, and efficient growth, and and things like rule of 40 and these other metrics that are, are ways to kind of uh, evaluate that. Then when you think about our region, Asia Pacific, where we are basically building almost from scratch, mm. um, you know, in many ways, we more resemble like a, a series A type of company within that broader, bigger company where we're putting growth rates on the board of 200%, for example, uh, which yeah. was kind of roundabout where we're going to be this year. So therefore, our challenges are different. I'm not, you know, today, it wouldn't make sense if my finance business partner is like, oh, okay, well, globally, we're trying to be 
5%, you know, uh, EBITDA. So you also have to be 5% EBITDA. Like that's just, that's not necessarily the case, right? What we're trying to do is we're a growth area within the business. We're trying as hard as we can to grow as fast as we can and as much as we can. And then we're very much in investment mode. We have different uh, metrics we look at. We have different benchmarks for what those metrics should be in a, in a healthy level uh, of growth. And so I, I think that, you know, context switching, uh, as I call it, is super important, especially if one finance business partner is working with two different uh, business units that are completely in different stages of growth. Um, and then also, you know, all the all the different kind of um, I'd say the other thing that, that I think Greg and, and generally uh, a good finance business partner will do is is, in, you know, empower. Right. Yeah. So it's like, well, we know what we need to what we, we know what the constraints are. I think it's finance's job to put in place constraints for a business leader because they're like, hey, we can't spend more than this much or actually we can't spend this more than this percent of revenue. Right. Yeah. So it's like if the revenue is more, you can spend more. If the revenue is less, you got to spend less. Right. That's a fair constraint to put in place. Yeah. But I think that should kind of really be the job of finance. And then, you know, empowering the business unit leader to say, how do you want to do that? Like, what are the, the, the ways you want to do that? If you want to cut marketing by 20% and increase and, and add a couple headcount on this other function over here, because you think that's the right way to get there versus maybe you know, sacrifice, you know, two senior hires to create five junior hires or vice versa, or maybe even go completely, you know, off the rail and say, hey, I'm going to change offices and save 10K a month on rent. And I'm redirecting that into um, a PR agency that we want to bring on to like engage media. Like these mm -hmm. are the kinds of um, you know, trade-offs and decisions that it's it's uh, a good finance business partner will empower and also enable uh, mm -hmm. a, a yeah. business unit leader to understand how to do those things, how it works, and make sure the math is always still making sense to the outcome, but letting you come up with the path rather than mm -hmm forcing, you know, a, a playbook path down your throat, which is like this many headcount, these should be the ratios, everything just needs to fit into this box. Yeah. Um, because again, in, in the context of a growth environment, that, that just wouldn't work for us. Yeah. So it's not their it's not their job to say no, it's their job to help you understand if it's a good idea. And if and then and then in certain instances look at how it how how it how you could do that make that investment or do that project you know if you could save money trim money elsewhere um so okay. it's a bit within your overall constraints that's that's awesome absolutely yeah i think i think that's really what that's the whole the partner you know finance mm -hmm. business partner they're a partner yeah. to you yeah, yeah. In, in achieving your business goals um yeah. and yeah. so yeah working through yeah. with them and they have the subject matter expertise when it comes to dollars and cents so yeah. leading on them uh there uh, which is great yeah yeah awesome so so let's chat tech a bit um sure. one of my favorite parts of the show so what um what is some of the key tech that's essential for you as you know manager director sales leader um in the region um yeah look i think so i'll be specific to my role because i think there's a lot of tech that my team is using on a day-to-day -day basis um uh -huh. yeah and not those aren't all systems that I necessarily have to use on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, yeah. As it tends to be the case, the the more uh, expansive your scope or your mandate or your remit is, 
yeah. you tend to become a slightly abstracted out of some of the tech because it's it's often execution oriented or operational yeah. in nature, right? Okay. Um, so if I'm being you know really honest, like tech that I use the most is is Slack, obviously, just from a pure yeah. communications perspective. That, that that's critical. Yeah. It's Zoom, and I, I don't want to go through and list like the, the yeah. classic uh, yeah. tech stack of any company. But I think for me, the most like critical um, non you know standard uh, tech is actually what I call um, the abstraction layer. Uh, yeah. Is how how do I have a single place to see everything? I mean that, that's the yeah. real the real thing I'm trying to solve for is how can I see all the data, all the numbers, all the projects, all the things in, yeah. in one place and understand how they kind of are all interdependent on each other mm-hmm. and make sure that I'm empowered to understand that if I tweak any one of these dials, what happens to the rest? Because they're not independent. And I think that's the biggest problem that leaders, senior leaders deal with is they understand that they, in their minds, it makes sense. It's this like kind of living organism and you can kind of tweak things but in reality you tweak something and all these other things are completely disconnected you don't really understand the impact until it's much too late you need to make these decisions quickly you need to make them sometimes in real time and so having again what i call an abstraction layer i think traditionally we've called it enterprise performance management tools bi tools um you know with some collaboration components um things of you know, systems like that, um, yeah. systems like blocks, um, I think are are very much in that space um, yeah. that for me are critical, uh, critical. Yeah. That's probably the most critical piece of tech uh, to manage yeah. the business effectively. Okay, so it pulls, data, it pulls data together. Can you get that view straight from the CRM? Or, no. you know, what, what, why not? Is there... CRM has no financial data, as an okay. example. So sure. like, I yeah. can understand sales pipeline. I can understand some level of forecast. I have no idea how that can, translates to revenue or costs, as yeah. an example. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't talk to to marketing. Um, in in, the, in sometimes it can, but it generally doesn't give you the, the the level of detail that you need from a you know the marketing system in terms of your you know your spend and your cost yeah. per click and your conversions uh, up funnel, for example. It doesn't pull in the HR data, right? So if you do, because everything's around people and it's like there's costs associated to people, those aren't reflected in CRM. So um, so there's no single system, no no single transaction system by, by yeah. almost by definition that can yeah. solve it all. You have to have a system on top of the systems yeah. that brings all the systems together uh, yeah. and allows you to then, uh, you know, start making sense of those interdependencies uh, between things. Yeah. and. And so in a lot of companies, especially smaller companies, that would just be a spreadsheet. Where Lots of spreadsheets and PowerPoints. Different tabs, and then you're pulling yeah. it together um, and maybe a PowerPoint on top for your meeting. Yeah. yeah. And and then and then there's different levels of maturity, but then you may see an, an enterprise performance management, EPM solution that gets put yeah. in to to be that, that place where you can pull the different data and start building out um, kind of connecting these operational and financial metrics yeah um yeah okay that's fantastic yeah. so that's that's, that's the one what, that's the one that's the one that's the one that's, that's, the, you, that's yeah. the one yeah there's a lot of other tools um you know like i said i mean yeah. okay I, I could live without that I, yeah. I probably need slack more i need zoom more yeah i need 
I think those go without saying those are, yeah, 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 yeah. it's how I communicate with people. Yeah. And that's probably the most important part of my job. But <clears throat> if you assume, you know, we've got all the basics, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, then email, right. Yeah. Email maybe. <laughs> uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome. uh, Fantastic. Bob, let's just bring this into a wrap. I'll just throw a few quick fire questions at you. Let's um, do it. Yeah. And let's just see how many we can get through. So um, what's, what would you say is a, um, your favorite catchphrase to use with your team? Uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Brilliant one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your favorite chart and why? Uh, it's the, it's a, it's a combination chart where the target is a line and uh, actuals and forecast are columns that are stacked on each other. So okay. you maybe you've got the actuals in black and then the forecast is stacking on top of the actuals in gray. So okay. you can see kind of where you were relative to target and then also yeah. where you think you're going to be relative to target. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you can see where, yeah. what you've closed and how much more you still have to go. So that kind of gives you an idea of risk around meeting the number. Exactly. Combo chart, okay. stacked column combo chart. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, what's your favorite place to get work done? Uh, this room. <laughs> yeah yeah looks, yeah looks, this, you're a very nice setup there the home yeah. office uh, get work done is I, I put it in two categories one is like yeah. what we you know people call deep work or like whatever yeah, yeah. obviously yeah. the other type of work is alignment with people and that happens in the office um so i love yeah. the hybrid model two yeah. or three days in the office and then yeah. deep work in this room a lot yeah. yeah i agree i agree you need a bit of both otherwise um yeah otherwise things come off kilter um what <clears throat> what activity person or place comes to mind when i say the words living the dream <laughs> it's a person uh which is funny uh you might remember him a guy named sal uh from uh, uh -huh. the early days of anna plan he was my first boss i think he was my first manager okay. and yeah. he must have said that that was just a stand. That was a standard answer. Like, how are you doing? Living the dream. Like, and, and so he pops into my brain as soon as he said that. I was like, oh, okay. That's yeah. Sal's phrase. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So it's a person, but yeah, it's I, a person. I, I remember Sal's fantastic. Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine that response. Um, <laughs> and then, what's something you have on your? I want to learn more about this topic. Uh, list. Yeah. Um. Well, okay. So right now there's a lot of stuff about the, the operations and the mechanics of how investment firms work, because it's mm -hmm. something that is relatively new for me and I'm yeah. still learning one year in, um, you know, you've got venture capital funds, you've got private debt, you've got real yeah. estate, um, you've got, you know, private equity. So it's, it's, it, it can get pretty complex. Um, so that directly related, uh, to my, to my work. Uh, but I will give you one more answer, which is more personal, which is yeah. policy. I find uh, I find public policy and there's policy work in general uh, yeah. super interesting and difficult and therefore interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just yeah, I think because they're solving, you know, the, in an ideal world, they're solving humanities problems yeah, rather yeah. than uh, profit and loss problems. And I think those yeah. are more interesting problems. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I find that very interesting. That's, that's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Um, what's something you're looking for help with right now? Uh, my abstraction layer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a little bit on the nose, but like, 
yeah uh, yeah there's there's a reason you know we're chatting yeah. um yeah. it's yeah. it's it's that abstraction layer uh yeah it's uh yeah the stuff that yeah. exists just doesn't work for me either it's too expensive or it's uh, not powerful enough and i'm yeah. looking i'm looking for the middle ground yes yes yes, yes. hello blocks yes um, <laughs> yeah awesome or or it's too centralized it sounds like as well that's the big problem it. you're so right the responsible the control in region to do what you need to do totally there is not a there's not a plg or product-led growth right there's not a plg epm yet i'm waiting for that yeah. <laughs> i think that's what i really need uh, is is something i can just get going with download data from multiple systems together plop it in and then build my own model like i do in excel i can do it in excel yeah. i just want a, a system version of that and yeah, uh, yeah that's what i'm looking for. That's what yeah. I need help and with. Excel, you know, Excel's just too annoying to work in when you know. You, you it's know terrible. Especially once you've done it. <laughs> once yeah. once you've once you've tasted it, it's like yeah. it's like flying business class. It's really yeah. hard to go back to economy <laughs> once you've once you've flown in business. Yeah. Before you've yeah. flown business, you're like, yeah. yeah, it's fine. I sleep on the yeah. flight anyways. Yeah. It's not that yeah. bad, you know. And then once you've yeah. had it, you're like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want to go back to copying and pasting, inserting yeah. rows and columns, fig trying to hashtag NA all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yes, yeah. yeah, fantastic, uh, awesome. Thank you very much, Barbara. It's been a real yeah. pleasure. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or follow your journey, what's the best place? What's the best you know, social platform for you? Yeah, I, I'm not super good at social, but LinkedIn, I think, is the okay. best way. So you can connect with me or follow me on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And uh, or, or, you know, if you're interested in anything about Carta, you can just reach out Bavik at Carta.com. Pretty easy one. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Bavik, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Simon. See ya. All right. See ya.